since this is Pauline, also known as Sisefabu. Welcome to season two, episode 10 of my podcast with my looking glass. Wow. So if you've been listening, you know my podcast is dedicated to victims and survivors. And I am a survivor, as you know. I am a reality poet. I'm an African-American woman. I was born in Jamaica. I grew up in New York. I'm living in Massachusetts. And I will say I am safe and I'm in a good place. I have taken control of my life and I will not allow my past abusers to control me. If you ask me how I'm doing, in this moment, I <laughs> so much going on. Good things. I am wishing I was a human octopus. Is there such thing as a human octopus? I don't think so. But I have so much to do that I need as many arms as possible to do it and strength. I know octopus is pretty strong too. So that's me in this moment. I wanna ask you and I do care, how are you in this moment? I really hope you're safe and in, you're in a good place. If you're not, please get some help. At the end of my podcast, I will leave some numbers for you to get some support. But today I'm going to talk about working with victims and survivors. Now, like myself, I know there's a lot of people out there that is ready to support us, you know. But what about them? How are they doing? How are they coping? But before I start, I want us just to remember that over 20 million people in America suffer from at least one addiction yet only 10% receive treatment. And every minute there are 20 people or over 10 million men and women every year have been physically abused. That means most of these people are now trapped in an abusive relationship with another person or the addiction they're battling. And many, many of these people are children. And all of these people, including survivors like myself, need support. So when we think about providing care to victims and survivors, wow, that's heavy because we know we have a lot 
on our plate and to bring that to somebody else's table that's some heavy heavy load so we want to talk about how are they doing we want to see what they're doing because we know it can lead to stress it can lead to anxiety and fear and other emotions for them. It's not always all about us. And how does these support people? Get support. Now, yes, it is their job and they choose that profession. But they do it because they care. Like any other job. I do not think anyone go to a job knowing what they are going to experience and how it is going to affect them. Again, how does these worker support or support person people cope with these emotions that can affect their well-being. Now, the care that they give to others while doing their job is critical. We know that. We depend on them. They know that they know what stress look like. So they need to take steps to build their own res resilience and to cope with stress and know where to go if they need help. So they need to recognize the symptoms of stress. And they know because when we go to them, they know they might not tell us, but they know when we're when we're when we're stressed. They know when we're irritable, angry, when we're in denial. They might not tell us because they're listening. So they have to kind of again check themselves. You know, instead of checking on us, they need to check them, examine themselves, let's put it this way. In regards to their feeling of uncertainty or nervous or anxiety or just feel helpless or powerless. Like, you know, again, sometimes we come with some heavy duty stuff and they just sit there and they support us. What's going on in that head of theirs? How are they feeling? How is it affecting them? Are they tired? Are they overwhelmed? Are they burned out? And we can talk a little more about burned out. And are they sad, depressed? Did they get a good night last night before they come to meet with us because they know that we're dependent on them 
if I have an appointment with my therapist, you know, like many people, we look forward to that day sometimes way more than they do. They want to know how we do it. I know they do. But knowing that we're going to talk to them is going to make us feel better after that conversation. I know mine does. So they need to know about stress-related disorder, compassion, fatigue, and burnout. And as I said before, burnout is big. Sometimes, like all of us, they need to take a break. Taking a break is hard because mental mental health workers have so many people depend on them. It's really not like a physician. I mean, I have a physician for over 30 years and I didn't like to go see anyone else. But the difference between a physician for me and mental health worker is that I can always change my appointment and go see my physician for my checkup next month or next two weeks. When it comes to mental health, it's like now, now, now. So some, some of them might have patients that they see three, four times a week. So taking a break might be traumatic for some patients. Again, what about the mental health health worker? So when I talk about compassion, fatigue and burnout, you know, that sometimes is not always from what's going on with the patient, but it can happen in the workplace. Because if you have five or six mental health worker there, they can be positive or negative. They can support each other, or most of them can support each other. And sometimes there's that one person that just, ooh, make your temperature rise, you know, just walking in the building. and. We have that person in many of our jobs, that person that just make a temperature rise and they walk in or you know they're coming in. And you try to keep yourself calm and keep your temperature at level where it's supposed to be. So if that's happening, then we need to talk to someone or find some tips to cope and enhance our resilience or their resilience. But before I talk about that, um, I want to share a poem. Now, I wrote this poem years ago after interviewing a mental health worker for a project I was doing. And she was in the field for over 20 years. 
and I wanted to know how she coped. And she explained that she tries her best to leave part of her office, the part that work part of her office at the office. It's not easy, but she says she tries. And now that she has a family and teenagers at that point, in order to be her best for herself and her family, she does like a lot of family time. She does yoga. She reads a lot. And she never forgets how rich and loved her family is. Now, I smiled when she said the word rich because a lot of times we don't think about when we talk about rich, we just talk about money and material things. But she was just talking about her family, how loved she was, how lucky she was to have a family that she had. And at work, she treats all her patients with respect and compassion. And she did mention that having a family, the kind of family that she has, does help her with this a lot. She feels she's that kind of person, but the family of also, she feels, because she's at calm at home. So she does a lot of listening and she gives support to her clients. And she says sometimes people just, they just want to know someone is listening and someone cares. But over the years, she started a quilt which is hang in her office. And we looked, the sheep pointed. I kind of noticed the quilt when I went in there, but I didn't know she did it. Um, she actually did a good job. It's wonderful. I loved it. Um, so over the years, she started a quilt which is hang in her office. And as I said, I remember it. And now that I think about it, I also i am thinking about my therapist. She's no longer at the office where she used to be. But I recall her having a framed picture of many different doors. Different color, different shape next to the window. I should say above, up, kind of like in the middle of the wall. And I look at it every time I went to see her, but I do not recall if we ever talked about it. I also recall her having plants of green. I admire them and we often talk about them. And I even say sometimes to make sure she's watering them. Um, <laughs> it's just amazing, you know? Hmm. I think my, one day I might just ask her if it meant something to her. Maybe I should just leave it as is. 
I don't know. It's another something for me to think about. So now I will share my poem with you. And it's titled Hanging. Sitting in a four by four room decorated for two, reflecting. On one side of her sit a reflection of 203, a quilt of remembrance, a remembrance of the past 30 years. Sexual, domestic, physical, verbal, just to name a few. Men, women, and children of all races and ages leaving emotional and sexual trauma floating above the rest. It is a true issue. It is knowing that you are not alone. 10 to 20 years of this happening to me does not stop the pain. Sitting in a decorated room for two, one desk, a five-gallon plant of green, a bookshelf, a wall, a quilt, two chairs, and a container, a, and a con constant reminder. Remembers, remembrance of the lucky ones. Reminders of the lucky ones. The ones who tried to leave behind the isolation, drug abuse, overdose, eating disorder, physical, emotion, emotional, and promiscuity. There she sits, waiting for the next detached. So when we think about these workers who are supporting us, let's not forget they hurt too. They have feelings just like we do. So now if we talk about tips try to give them some tips to cope or to enhance their resilience. Things like communicating, as you say, communicate with your coworkers or your supervisors about the stress. And if it's that person that makes a temperature rise, I think it's okay to talk to your supervisor about it. Talk openly how your work is affecting you because it is affecting you in a way that does, if it's affecting you in a way that does not feel right, it does not mean that you're not doing a good job. It just means that you need some support. 
identify the factors that is causing this feeling. And if you need mental help, you know where to find it. You don't necessarily have to go to your office for it. You can go somewhere else. Remind yourself that everyone has things that stress them. You know it. Just remind yourself. You know, it's okay. Identify and accept those things which you do not have control over. You have a patient going in your office and your patient is so angry that they start just banging the door and knocking things down and you're in that room and, okay, am I safe? What do I do the next time? Can I close my door? Do they need to leave my door open a little? And then again, it's like, Okay, confidentiality is supposed to close your door, but safety? You have to look into that. So we need to recognize that you are performing a critical role and you are doing the best you can. It might be helpful to keep a log of what is happening. I know all therapists have a log for everyone that they see, but I mean, I think your own personal log of what is happening when you start to feel that things are not right. What is happening? What just happened to make me feel the way I feel? I didn't feel like this 10 minutes ago, two minutes ago. And please make sure you get adequate sleep, eat healthy. And I think it's important to take breaks when possible, right before or after you are about to meet with someone you know, that's gonna need a lot of you, a lot of you. Some of us are tend to drain our therapists more than others. Like the therapist I interviewed, she said, when you're away from work, she spent a lot of time with her family. I think that's a good idea. A lot of family time. Get exercise when you can. Spend time outside. I love the outside. Either get physical activity or just relax. Do things you enjoy doing when you're not at work. Take a break from watching the news. The news can be so sad. Or reading about all the craziness that goes on in the world. Don't listen to the news or the media. Listen to some nice, soothing music. There's so much different music to choose from. And one of the things that my daughter used to like to do She's having a tough time. She used to listen to the blues and just cry. And <laughs> I think that is wonderful. Sometimes when I listen to certain music, I do cry and it makes me feel better. I dance and I cry. Dancing is a wonderful thing. Hmm. 
And if you feel that you may be misusing alcohol or other drugs, include prescription. Ask for help. And if you are being treated for mental health condition, continue with your treatment and talk to your provider. If you experience new or worse symptoms, please let them know. As I said, our support person needs support as well. It's very important that we remember that the person is who is supporting us, who's helping us to get up every day and feel better about ourselves is someone too. And they have feelings. So all of us, we need to look for the signs and realize that if it does not feel or sound right, it is not. And it's not okay for us to take advantage of each other. We have to love ourselves. We have to find things and ways to make us happy. I know I say this all the time, but we just have to. And we have to do it without hurting others. And it's okay. It needs to be about us for a moment. And then we can help others. So. I hope you are safe. But if you do not feel safe, call 911. If you're in crisis, get immediate help. National Suicide Prevention Line is 1-800-273-8255. It's also in Spanish, 188-628-9454. National Domestic Violence, 1-800-799-7233. National Child Abuse Hotline, 1-800-422-4453. National Sexual Abuse Hotline, 1-800-656-4673. Veterans Crisis Number, 1-800-273-8255. Disaster. There's a lot of that going on now with the, with the, with the rain and fire and crazy oh 1-800-985-5990 elderly abuse hotline 1-800-1-866-363-4279 if you need to go on a detox and you're in Massachusetts, call 1-888-931-2843. Please find a place to go get help. And if you can't find one, you don't have a phone, just go to the hospital. And remember, if you have a family friend or someone going through a hard time, help them. And please take care of your therapist. It's very important. And it's okay one t- once in a while to tell her or him how much you appreciate everything that they're doing. Okay? It's very important. <laughs> anyway, as we reach the end of this episode, I am asking, how are you doing? Just a minor reminder, my therapist, if you're listening, I love you. And I appreciate everything you do. Okay, so I am asking, how are you doing in this moment? If you ask me how I'm doing, oh boy. Um, 
I will say I wish I was 40 years old again. Physically 40 years old, but without all the mental health and abuse that was going on. But I wish I was 40 years old again. Please listen, share, and feel your how are you. I hope you enjoyed taking care. I hope you enjoyed working with victims. So, again, I am Pauline, also known as Sister Fabu. Thank you for listening to another episode of Through My Looking Glass. Until next time.